0: In this episode of Boss Files.
1: We have a mission, which is to help guys take care of their minds and bodies so they can be their best selves.
0: Think of it as Dollar Shave Club 2.0. Founder and CEO Michael Dubin is revamping the subscription service after its billion dollar sale to Unilever. How he's taking on giants in the industry and expanding the company far beyond razors. And why he calls his competitors' products, quote, hyper-masculinized
1: they designed some of these cans to look like cans the, or the bottles look like cans of motor oil or or like energy drinks and the, you know they're like bright orange or you know you know lime green and and it's You know, it it certainly can make sense from a marketer's point of view why that's done because they want it to look very masculine, so to speak. But it's really hard if you're a guy trying to pick these products, what to get. And there's nobody there that can help you. DSC is creating tools to help know exactly who you are, what you need, what your concerns are, and then create an assortment that we can deliver to you a couple times a year.
0: Plus, how his background in comedy, of all things, has been key to his company's success. Here's my conversation with Dollar Shave Club founder and CEO Michael Dubin. Michael Dubin, thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me. I've sort of watched from afar. I'm not a user, obviously. You, you
1: should be. Yeah. I mean, we have many women in the club.
0: There you go. Uh, okay, well, we'll take that. But I've been sort of a watcher from afar and seen how you've grown this, and I'm fascinated by it. So thank you for coming on Boss Vows. And thanks for coming back to CNN. Welcome back. I understand you you were an intern here. I was. Back in the day. Yeah. Didn't exactly work out? Uh,
1: Well, I wouldn't say that. It was an internship. (laughs) I mean, internships are supposed to end. Yeah, I was an intern in Atlanta for for a year and then um, in Los Angeles and Philadelphia for the the conventions in 2000.
0: And I know you're an avid CNN watcher. I am.
1: We appreciate that. Yes.
0: For those of our listeners who may not, God forbid, may not be aware of Dollar Shave Club or be a a subscriber, elevator pitch.
1: Elevator Pitch is um, for a couple bucks a month uh, or a couple bucks a year even, we'll send you everything you need to look, smell, and feel your best. So that's cologne, that's body wash, that's shampoo, that's uh, razors, pre-shave, post-shave, beard oil, just whatever a couple, you need.
0: But just two bucks for all of that for the year. Right? Not,
1: no, not couple, <laughs> yes. Not the literal, literal interpretation of, of couple. But there you go.
0: Razors, it's safe to say, changed your life, but only after you've Flunked the same political science class oh, wow. twice. You've really done your homework. Did not pursue a career in news, as right. we just learned. Started a social network for travelers yep. that is not around today. It is not. Wanted to be on SNL.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, you really did it all. Um, yeah, you got it all right. But razors, Are we done? Is but that the razor, end?
0: I don't know. You tell me, but razors changed your life.
1: Uh, they, did, they did, I suppose. <laughs> I never quite thought about it like that.
0: Because of a man named Mark Levine.
1: True. Who is he? Uh, Mark is my friend's wife's father, um, or my friend's father, um, and we met at a holiday party, and he had a warehouse full of 250,000 razors, and he said, do you want to, you know, do you want to help me sell these on the internet?
0: And and you... I mean, if I were at a holiday party and someone asked me if I wanted to sell razors on the Internet, I think I'd walk to the bar.
1: Right. Well, true. You're an anchor. uh, So it's it's (laughs) a little bit. It's a little different. Um, I was somebody that spent some time, um, you know, in in brand development and the early web and uh, had done a couple e-commerce sites. So it was a little bit more of an appropriate question for me than it would have been for you.
0: All right. So what was your response?
1: Uh, I said, absolutely. I mean, you know, at the time I was doing some freelance marketing and I said, um, that's, that sounds interesting and why not give it a go and see what we can do. The the
0: process of buying razors is not a pleasant one. Mike, no. The, the, the guys making this all work in here. Uh, Rod and Ben, who are running the cameras and the audio for this, we were just talking about it. One yeah. of them is a subscriber, and they talk about going to buy razors at the pharmacy, and they're locked up. Right. And for me, they're just really expensive. Yep. I look at them, I'm like, I don't understand why it's costing me $16 in New York City for, like, two or three razors. Totally. I mean, that so, was. Would- I mean, was it the price that you were like, this is going to work because the price point of a lot of these is is ridiculous?
1: Yeah. In in like 2006, when I was living in New York, so I lived in New York for about eight years before I moved to L.A., um, I would walk right by the Duane Reed convenience store on the subway platform at uh, at Rockefeller Center, and uh, I wouldn't want to go in to buy the razors and deal with the exact experience that you just described because it's cumbersome, it's frustrating, and it's really expensive. I didn't at that exact moment say to myself, "I'm going to go do something about this." Sure. I did. I did that when I met Mark and his razor, you know, pile in 2000, whatever it was, nine, 8, eight, uh, ten. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you just described it. It's really frustrating. It's really cumbersome. There's nobody there to help you. Um, and, and when you go and ask for help to open the locked case, they make you sort of feel like it's a giant inconvenience to them. So, yeah, it's, it's one of the most unique shopping experiences that we have here.
0: So in a little bit, we're going to get to the story and back up about how it even worked, right? You said yes to Mark, you got the Razors, et cetera. But, but before we do, tell us where you guys are now, because obviously you, you were bought by Unilever, billion-dollar purchase, it's been reported. The the CFO of Unilever said this fall that you guys have 3.9 million subscribers. Has that number gone up? Where is that? Have you topped 4 million
1: uh, we have topped four million, um, but we don't disclose exact subscriber numbers, and we like to call them members.
0: Members, I'm sorry. That's the okay. Members. It's a club over four million members. Of we the don't club. have a lobster
1: night yet, but we <laughs> will.
0: This is an industry that has, for so long, been been dominated by giants, um, Gillette, Chick, etc. Yeah. Y- you call it the razor fortress, mm-hmm. and I wonder, Michael, if you ever had any moment of pause. Uh, sort of being the David and Goliath here and saying we're going to take on the giant?
1: Uh, I don't think so, because when when I started the company, um, I just I knew that this was a good idea because I had experienced the frustration. And if I had experienced it, I knew others would would have experienced it as well, and it would resonate with some. Um, I don't think at the exact moment when I started it, I said this is going to be an industry-changing machine mm-hmm. um, or idea, uh, concept. Um, so, you no. mean you
0: didn't think other people might would copy you? Which well, has happened.
1: Yeah, yes, and 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 to a great degree. But I do think that um, I I I knew that the idea would be would be copied, but I didn't quite know how big it would, would get.
0: So when did you know that? Um, Was it the Unilever acquisition? Was it before? Was there that moment for you?
1: Well, over, over the years, you know, we've grown sort of steadily. And, you know, we had 50,000 members and then we had 200,000, et cetera, and then all the way up to yeah. where we are now. Um, But those numbers are so abstract. It's really hard to connect with those big numbers. I think the first time that I really felt it was when we opened our own fulfillment center in Los Angeles. And I was looking, you know, we have these big conveyor belts where the boxes go, you know, from one end of the building all the way around this long conveyor belt to the other end of the building. And then they go up a ramp and then into these boxes bound for Seattle or Philadelphia or New York. And When you watch all of these packages and you can actually see it and 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 experience it in person, that's when you realize, wow, this is a this is a really big business.
0: Do you think that you could be where you are today, over four million members if you didn't sell the company?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: So then why was it the right decision to make this deal with Unilever?
1: So when you're when when you start a company the way we did, which is to say it was venture capital backed. Yes, um, and you're a small company for they want a while. Well, they want their money, but that's not, no, it's it's really about, you know, you, you, as my investors used to like to say, the CEO's number one job when you're sort of venture-backed is to make sure the company doesn't run out of money. And we, for a long period of time, uh, had to raise money every yeah. year. So that was three months every year you had to go on the road and pitch VCs, and that was very time-consuming. And it's also not why I got into the business. I got into the business because I love to build things, and I love to build brands, and um, this was, you know, not how I wanted to spend my time. So the, the deal with... With Unilever allowed us to find a partner uh, that had, or join forces with a partner that has a very similar mission and could add a lot of strategic value uh, in product development and other areas, but also be our be our our you know big backer.
0: What's the most important thing you think you've learned if you could have gotten this big without them and without that money? What have you learned through that acquisition in terms of being around some you know? brilliant, I'm sure, product folks. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I think, you know, Unilever is an amazing company. They're a global company and they make a ton of amazing products. And we were still early in our product development journey when we were a private company. And we've since really flourished and we've benefited a lot from their expertise in making products.
0: So when I say Gillette or Mm Shick, what do you think?
1: I think that people want to try to compare us to those companies, and I don't really see us as, as competitors to them.
0: Interesting. Yeah. You've taken some market share from
1: them. We have, but I. What we're trying to you, and we'll
0: get to that in a minute. They
1: have. Um, but I think of us as doing something very different. Uh, I think in the early days, the comparison was fair. Obviously, we were selling razors. They're, they're selling razors. Sure. But, you know, we have over three dozen products that we sell now, um, and it's—, it's um, you know, the the service that we offer, the club vibe that we're trying to create, the role that we're trying to play in our members' lives ongoingly and in the future is, is very different from what they're doing.
0: So Dollar Shave Club mm-hmm. is so much more now, as you just said, than, than razors. Right. So keep the name, though,
1: Dollar yeah. Shave Club. Yeah, for now, yeah.
0: For now. Yeah. Talk about what you branched into. You just had a party last night for your, your print publication. Yeah. You have, you're, I mean, you're experimenting right now with fragrances. um, You obviously have wipes, you have cream, you have hair gel, you have body wash, you have a lot. Yep. So how should we think about the company and the product?
1: Right. So pardon me if this sounds too wonky, but we have a mission, which is to help guys take care of their minds and bodies so they can be their best selves. And um, that's a journey that, that takes us through product development and then sort of content development as well. So on the product side, you know, we... It is incredibly frustrating for you as a guy to try to find the stuff that you need to put in your hair, on your skin, on your body. I, I wouldn't know. Right. That. Sure. Yeah. Well, but you go, you've been to the store. <laughs> but I'm
0: married. Yes.
1: But You've been to the store and you know how crowded the shelves are and how hard it is to pick out a product that's right for you. A lot of these products are over marketed. They, they, they don't speak clearly about what's in them. Um, they're hyper masculinized and, and it's, it's, it's hard to kind of find your way.
0: What's hypermasculinized?
1: Well, they designed some of these cans to look like cans the, or the bottles look like cans of motor oil or <laughs> or like energy drinks. And, the, you know, they're like bright orange or, you know, you know, lime green. And, and it's, you know, I, I it, it certainly can make sense from a marketer's point of view why that's done, yeah. because it, they want it to look very masculine, so to speak. But um it's really hard if you're a guy trying to pick these products what to get, and there's nobody there that can help you. So, and that that's true for both the Amazons of the world and sort of the major the major yeah. retailers. The the folks that are walking the aisles there, they're not trained to. They, first of all, they don't know you. They don't know your grooming concerns. They don't know your skin type. They don't know really anything about you. How old you are, um, and. And they also don't know the product assortment very well because they have to help you in the grooming aisle as much as they have to help you in the beverage aisle. So it's, it's not an optimal experience for somebody that's trying to get in, get out, and get on with their life, so to speak. And, like, you know, DSC, DSC is creating tools to help know exactly who you are, what you need, what your concerns are, and then create an assortment that we can deliver to you a couple times a year.
0: Just the fact that you call it DSC mm-hmm. says something to me about where you're going.
1: Okay. What
0: does it say? It tells (laughs) me that you've got ambitions and views much. Broader than razors that you've already yeah. shown, but even beyond that, yeah. I mean, if you're, that's purposeful.
1: Most definitely, and 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 that you know there there is there is something bigger that we're trying to build here than just a, a company that ships you razors a couple times a year, right? That's definitely where we started. So we take care of the body side, and then there's the mind side. So we have a, a, a big content ecosystem. It appears in two places. One is on Dollar Shave Club original content, which yeah. is um, on DollarShaveClub.com, um, and then we have um, and then we have every every time somebody gets a package. They get shipped a a magazine from us. The one that they get shipped is like a 10 page sort of mini version of a larger print piece that we just launched. Uh, And that's all under the brand name Mel Magazine. And Mel Magazine is our independent men's lifestyle publication. Uh, We're really proud of it. It's about five years old on the web. We just launched our first print edition uh, last Last night night in New York. Thank you. and you know, to really great critical response, I think. And um, it's a bit of a unique media model because yeah. it's not—you um, know, right now there's no there's no advertising, uh, there's no Dollar Shave Club presence in the in the magazine, um, and uh-huh. and it's it's really you know really designed to fill a void in the men's lifestyle, in the men's editorial space right now. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody covering men's stuff quite like we are. Huh. And um, but it's that's, worth the
0: money. It's worth the investment to you.
1: Right now. Yes, absolutely. Um, because uh, for a lot of reasons that that's probably too, too long to get into. But, yes, it, it's, it's all part of this larger mission yeah. of helping guys take care of their minds and bodies so they can be their best selves. You can't just you can't just deliver guys body wash yeah. and beard oil and expect them to be their best selves. You also have to, you know, provide them a mechanism to study themselves and, and evolve.
0: Do you talk about the Me Too movement in it?
1: Uh, in Mel? Yeah.
0: You know why I'm asking?
1: Probably, yeah.
0: Because of Gillette's new ad. Yeah. So Gillette has put out this minute and a half new ad. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's controversial. Yes. It has a lot of people talking. Yeah. And um, it's focusing on men being the best they can be in the wake of the Me Too movement, everything yeah. from sexual harassment to bullying.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The minute I saw it, I thought about you and in this interview coming up. and I want sure. to know what you think about it.
1: Well, I think there's a good message at the center of it, which is that, you know, guys should be good guys. Um, I think that I think that um, the message itself could have been done a little bit more tactfully. But, um, you know, at at the at the center of it, I think there's a I think there's a good message. I give them a lot of credit for. For you know, standing up and and you know speaking on behalf of their values, I think that's a that's a decision that a lot of brands have to make today. Is what are they going to what are they going to say about their about their values in the public sphere?
0: What do you think could have been done more tactfully?
1: Well, this is tricky terrain. I mean, we live in a we live in a tricky time right now, and um, I think that they. Could have done a little bit of a better job separating what they meant by, by defining what they think is good and what they think is bad.
0: More from my conversation with Dollar Shave Club founder and CEO Michael Dubin after the break. You ju- just came down in Times Square the the ads billboards all over Times Square yeah. during New Year's Eve, um, and it was bol- a bold message. Nine billboards. Mm-hmm. Featuring, um, there was an older man in his underwear in one, um, a man in a turban, a drag queen in one. Tell me about that, because you're, you've been a driving force of the marketing of this company from the beginning. Yeah. We'll get to the viral videos in a moment. Sure. But did you think of that? And what has the response been? Think of What? These billboards and the and what message were you trying to send? Right. So
1: we have right. So we have a um, so we launched a campaign back in July of 2018. It was called the Get Ready campaign, Uh, and the the Get Ready campaign um, was basically our way of celebrating guys, all types of guys, uh, and women getting ready as they go out to become the best version of themselves right so it's it shows it shows people showering it shows people shaving it shows people doing all sorts of weird grooming rituals but they're not and they are models They're not all models.
0: Which I I like. Yeah.
1: Well, it's, I mean, it's designed to reflect our member base, and it's designed to reflect our country at large. And we really wanted to, I mean, we really have a lot of fun. I mean, the humor that we've had the entire time at DSC is really present in that ad as well. Yeah. Um, And and we just wanted to show people being themselves as they experience these private moments, as they get ready, as they struggle with the things that are imperfect about about themselves. You know, there's a guy who hates his hair, right? And he has to decide whether he's going to keep, you know, screwing around with the little wisps of hair that he has left, or if he's just going to say F it and shave it all off, right? And these are moments that we as guys all experience as, as we get ready. It's like we see ourselves at our rawest in the bathroom. We see ourselves at our most vulnerable in the bathroom. And so we wanted to bring that to life as a way of saying, you know, DSC understands you. We understand what you go through, and we want to be that friend to you as you help, uh, as you help get ready. Um, but the campaign was, you know, you mentioned the diversity, and that's, you know, I do believe it's it's uh, important for brands to make a statement about who they are. Um, they have to be careful while doing it. And, you know, DSC's values, um, among DSC's values, are, you know, diversity, inclusion, and kindness. And that's all reflected in that ad and the billboards that you referenced. Do
0: you get, I, I mean, I completely agree that that companies have to not only stand for something, but tell people what they stand for. Mm. I think that's become so clear in the last, you know, five, six years. With CEOs of major corporations, Mark Benioff at Salesforce, Howard Schultz at Starbucks, taking these brands, these, uh, uh, you know, and saying, here's what we stand for, even on controversial social issues. Yeah. Um, I wonder if you can make that decision solely and then go make the statement or if that becomes more complicated because you're owned by Unilever. And how how right. you navigate that? Yeah,
1: Unilever's been fantastic about about you know letting us be what we are and and be who we've always been or be who we want to become. And that was that was sort of woven into the premise of the deal when we when we made it, right? We, that autonomy. Yeah, exactly. And they've been really re- they've been really respectful of that, but they've also been really engaged when we want them to be. Yeah. Um, and and you know we we do you know I the the my folks at Unilever have said very clearly, don't lose the humor. Don't, you know, stay who you are, stay true to it, which was which was how I knew that they were the right family to join Hmm. in the first place.
0: Let's talk about a a decision you did have to make and that you did make, and that was to suspend advertising on Fox News on Sean Hannity's show. This is after comments he made about Roy Moore in the Alabama Senate race and sexual harassment and abuse allegations. Can you talk to me about, you know, what went through your head and how you made that decision?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I think that um, not every... (laughs) brands have to be careful about where they choose to spend their dollars mm-hmm. and where they choose to support. And, um, I, I think that, you know, the, the blanket statement for, for DSC is really, if, if we find at any time that anybody that we support media wise is, is, uh, doing things that run contrary, contrary to our, our value system, mm-hmm. then we make that, uh, then we make that decision and, and we'll pull our, we'll pull our media.
0: Uh, did you have to run it by Unilever or did you just no. make that call? And what about now? I believe you've gone back to advertising there, uh, right? Yes. On the show. Yep. How did you make that? How did you make that decision?
1: I think that it was so. I, it's it's been a while, so I don't remember the exact specifics yeah. of 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 what led us to 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 go back on. Um, but I think that we had gotten some comfort around some of the messaging around the the Roy Moore issue and got past it.
0: Do you think overall that CEOs founders have a Moral obligation at this point, meaning our customers demanding it mm-hmm. um, to weigh in on certain political issues that, as you know, a, a decade ago would have it would never have happened. Right. They would have steered so far clear. Yeah. And now it's almost like if they steer clear, yeah. customers penalize them for that.
1: Right. Well, I think some customers do. I don't think I don't think all customers do or will. Um, I, I think that. That is totally an independent choice that every brand has to make for themselves. Do they want to be out in front of a social issue or do they not? But you
0: can't be like picky, right? It's like if you're going to be out there, you can't hide from us. Things other times that are maybe more uncomfortable.
1: I think that's right. I think that it's it's. I think that's well put. I think you you, you if you're going to wade into the terrain, then it's like okay, now everybody's going to ask you what you think on this issue or that issue. Yeah, and these are co- listen. These are complicated times that we live in, and sure. it's really tricky. And you have to find the you have to find the balance. I think you know DSC is is always comfortable speaking about its values uh, in the way that we have before. Um, we like to do it with creativity. We like to do it with. We like to have fun doing it, um, and we like to put it out there. And we're not afraid to to act on on behalf of our value system when when we feel compelled to. We want to be a good participant.
0: Let's talk about the competition that you guys face. Um, So some numbers that are public, a lot of this isn't, but Procter & Gamble's CFO said on their earnings call in October that their internal data shows that Gillette was the only razor subscription business that grew in the U.S. last quarter. What do you say to that?
1: Hmm. I don't have the data off the top of my head, but I don't think that that's true.
0: Unilever's CFO, on the other hand, yeah. said that uh, uh, in terms of subscriber growth, that it has come in for you guys at a slightly lower rate. Is that true? And is, is part of that why DSE has become so much more than... Razors to bring in a whole new batch of subscribers.
1: Yeah, so so I remember that comment that that Unilever CFO made. And you the, loved that. I think there was. A, I, I so loved it. It <laughs> was there was a little bit of a disconnect. But here's here's what's here's what's real. So DSC over the last two years has gone through a really interesting transition. So we before 2016 or through throughout 2016 we were razors every month or every other month with all the other stuff positioned as add-ons. Okay. Um, we've since overhauled the business model to be now, instead of razors once a month, to everything you need a few times a year. And so to, to, which it might sound simple, but to get us to that point, we've had to re-engineer our entire backend, our entire tech stack, our entire, um, we've had to hire a lot of different and new people to the organization. And that takes time. So short-term pain
0: for long-term gain. Absolutely, hopefully.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, for sure. And yeah. and so we've we've transformed our business model. We've transformed the structural foundation of the business and the org itself to deliver on that. It's been a it's been a definitely a, an arduous sort of tricky transition time for the last two years, mm-hmm. um, but we've come out on the other end with something that's really working well for us. And without kind of giving you the raw numbers, I can say that, you know, our lifetime values in the very early days of this new business model are are, are 100% or higher, uh, 100% better or higher than than where they were before.
0: Huh. Lawsuit. You guys got sued, this is years ago now, 2015 yep. by Gillette. I yep. think it's still pending. It is. Still not- yeah. These things last a while. They
1: do.
0: Um, Gillette sued you guys. Yep. And uh, one of the things that you said about it a while ago is it's a wonderful acknowledgement that you've actually cracked the code
1: and found something of value. Mm.
0: Is that what you initially thought, or did you, you know, read the lawsuit and were you totally freaked?
1: Um, Yeah, right. That (laughs) statement sounds a little polished, but I think it's, (laughs) I think, you know, look, you you definitely... um, I think I had been prepared for that type of thing, and and everybody had said, you know, the 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 big players in the industry, they're going to um, they're going to sue you at some point. That's just an arrow in their quiver that they're going to use, and you should be ready for it. And so when we woke up that day, um, you know, we saw the headline, um, which is quite different actually than when you find out other ways that, sure, that you're involved in your a little livid- bit. Right. Exactly. And so, um, that was, that was like, huh, okay. But in, in, you know, we had been expecting something like that. So I, it wasn't as big a shock as maybe some other things.
0: I remember, um, I remember the first time that I was named in a lawsuit as a journalist. Oh, yeah. But I knew I was right on the story. This was years ago. Yeah. I knew that I'd gotten it right. And I knew my facts were right. And I was confident in my sources. But at first, I was still scary. Totally. And then I was like, hey, this is meritless. And then it was dismissed. Right. Yes. I mean, there's this whole sort of evolution
1: of like, wow, that's, you know, my name. Right. <laughs> right. What did I do? Am I bad? Am I a bad person? Right. It's there you, it, you definitely. Yeah. But you uh, move past it.
0: Other competition, startup competition, you know, Harry's, for example.
1: Yeah. How do you win? Um,
0: and what tells you
1: if you've won? Right. Good question. Um, well, how do you how do you seek to? Well, first of all, I think it's, you know, competition is um, th- this might sound trite, but it's true. Competition is validating. Uh, but it's also important because it pushes you to develop better products for the marketplace, to develop a better service. Uh, it pushes you and your team, and I think it's really important to have you know great competitors that are that are you know worthy of being on the field of play. What
0: do you admire about your competitors? What do you admire about Harry's?
1: Hmm. Um, let's see. What do I? It's a great question. Nobody's ever asked me that before. Um, try to cook up an answer here. <laughs>
0: But I'll give you a moment, and I'll just tell our listeners because they bought a razor factory overseas, right? Yes, they Which did. It's a bit different
1: model than yours. Uh, yes, it is. Um, let's see. Um,
0: what do you admire about them?
1: Uh, wait, did you just feed me the answer?
0: No, I'm just trying to tell people things <laughs> that carries uh, to fill the time. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> do you admire anything about your competitor? I admire things about my competitors. Sure.
1: Well, I think you have. Well, in, in general, you you should look at your competitors and um, and decide, you know, what you like and what they're doing well. I mean, to, to sit and say that your competitors aren't doing things that are worthwhile or or uh, impressive would be naive and and you know in in and self defeating. I think. Um, I think you know if you have to if you have to find some things that the competitors have done well, I think that you know. It, I'm certainly very impressed with the design quality of Harry's and um, and what they've done, and and I think they've brought their brand to life in a great way for their consumer. And uh, I give them a lot of credit for that.
0: Women, they've launched Flamingo, mm-hmm. new line specifically for women. I know you said interestingly, women are subscribers. Yep. Are you thinking about a direct women's line?
1: We can't speak to our plans right now, but uh, A.K.
0: Yes. No. No. Not necessarily. Maybe. No. Okay. Yes. Okay. Maybe. Okay. No. I, okay. you know, um,
1: <laughs> but I do think that it's a um, it's a it's a big market, obviously. Yeah. And um, but
0: smaller, smaller than the men' shaving market.
1: W- women are very satisfied with Dollar Shave Club. Uh, our women members, uh, and they're and they're mm. they're using our products um, happily, and and you know we'll will you know develop the service as we need to if we feel like that's continuing you know, if that's a space that continues to heat up
0: vending machines. Yeah. Experiment right now. Mm-hmm. How's it going? And what does it say about brick and mortar stores for you guys? Maybe.
1: Yeah. So so vending vending machines um, or automated retail, as they like to call in the office. They because call them now? Th- Well, yes, I think that the teams want it to seem, more, you know, vending machines seem so yesteryear. So I think that automated retail is like what they want it to be. And um, so, yes, uh, our vending machines right now are live in uh, Mall of America, LaGuardia, and Roosevelt Field. Um, we, are, we are rolling out more over the course of the year, and it's really, you know, there are really no vending machines like this out there. They've got these really beautiful display panels on the side, and they've got a full product assortment in there, and uh, you can submit your email, et cetera. So we're really proud of them. We're really excited. And and the goal of that is is to give consumers, you know, we're not in retail, at least not today. Right. And um, consumers are very curious about our brand. They want to get a sniff or a touch on our products before they join, and getting them that in the real world yeah. um, in a beautiful display uh, is is a great way to you know is a great way to to drive awareness and drive engagement. How's it doing? I mean, they're very new, but they're get, we're getting we're getting you know tens of thousands of impressions and, and views and engagements. People are stopping to look at the machine for you know, an average of two and a half seconds, which hmm. doesn't sound long, no, but, but, it, yeah. but it is long. There's enough to register that, oh, okay, that's the brand that I've been hearing about for so many years, right. and uh, perhaps when I see the next great ad, I'll, I'll decide to join.
0: Um, I, it sounded to me at our, the beginning of our conversation like you are very interested in exploring more the whole male experience. Um, the magazine is part of that retail is an experience. I mean, Rod, mm-hmm. uh, my colleague, was telling us before he started the interview that the barbershop that he likes to go to in Brooklyn. My husband likes to go to our, his Brooklyn barbershop because he gets a beer there and he talks to the guys. Mm-hmm. Does that um, interest you? Yeah. So we might see brick and mortar? You might. Okay. More from my conversation with Dollar Shave Club founder and CEO Michael Dubin after the break. Data. You're also a tech company, clearly, right? You get a lot of data on your users. What's the most important piece of data that you get?
1: Well, I'll start by saying that there's all the there's all of the there's data there's data that you can use to drive your business. Well, you know, what are people buying? How often are they buying it? Um, and and you can use that data. When do they run out and you can use that data to drive your business? That's sort of 101. Any any you know great direct to consumer company with data infrastructure should be able to do that. Um, what what's really next level and where we want where we're getting to this year and, and definitely next year is understanding everything about you, your skin type, your age, your your ethnicity, yeah. your concerns. Yeah. What are you concerned about? And then providing you both products and content that can help you, you know, find what you need easier. How do we? How can we tweak our pro- existing products mm-hmm. to make them better for you? So infusing data into the product development process, and then how do we? How do we support that with great how to use it content, yep. but then also general lifestyle content to weave it all together.
0: Have you watched what Emily Weiss has built and how she's built it at Glossier? Mm-hmm. Because you know they went from a content platform. Yeah, they to started
1: a, in content. Yeah,
0: product platform, and that still informs a lot of what they produce, what users say. T- totally. Is that? It sounds like you're doing more of that.
1: We 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 are going to be doing more of that. It's I, I think in general the difficulty that we have, and Glossier is an amazing business. Um, the difficulty that we have that I think that that I think they don't as much, mm-hmm. but I I don't know the intricacies of that business um, is women are so much more engaged in this category when it comes to making them look, smell, and and feel their best than guys are. So it's a little bit of a, you got to jostle guys a little bit more, most guys, to get them to pay attention and engage this way. So so we have to work, I think, a little bit harder, whereas I think women are, are very sort of naturally engaged in this category. Would you agree?
0: Oh, it's not enough. I mean, I I know a lot of guys who spend more time on their hair than I do. <laughs> Fair but, enough. But, but that's the different. Yeah.
1: That's different segmentation, right? Some Fair do, enough. some don't. I think Fair what enough. we're trying to do is get get the the great hulk of masses yeah. of men that are not paying as much attention as they could be or should be to optimize their routine. But that trust is earned, and that trust mm-hmm. is earned over time in the brand tone, in the way in the service itself, in the way we talk to them on the site, and hopefully over time they'll start giving us more and more information so that we can design the products and deliver the products as they and when they need them.
0: Backing up a long way to the viral video that I I've, I've like remember mm-hmm. watching it with my then like boyfriend now husband. It was yeah. a while ago. Um, But this was you. I mean, and this is where your improv background and your writing comes into play. The viral video that that if you haven't seen it, folks, you should (laughs) Google it and watch it on YouTube. But it shot you guys to popularity more than 25 million streams. On YouTube? I don't know. Is it higher now?
1: I don't know. I haven't checked.
0: All right. You don't check that that's like not, every morning? Yeah, it's not
1: my home um, screen. It,
0: I heard it only cost $4,500 to make. Yeah, thereabouts. Do you think that this company would have taken off in the way it did without that? And I mean, if you had like paid millions of dollars to professional marketers, yeah. could they have done it like this did?
1: Um, I think that's that's for the parallel universe to decide. I don't know. Um, I, think, I think, look, that video put us on the map. I... I wouldn't have wanted to do it any other way, retrospectively, of course, because it it really did, you know, it is a big part of our success story, no doubt. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think when we were making the video, when I was writing the video and uh, after the video had been completed, I was not... Too sure that I wanted to put it on the homepage, I was actually pushed to do that by some investors because I wanted the business to sink or swim based on the goodness of the business model, right? And not to have some adverse reaction to the founder or the CEO. Um, so I was actually yeah. a little shy to put that on there, believe it or not. I mean, I'm probably That's not a shy person, but like I was I was reticent, is a better way to say, it, to put it on the homepage for the reasons I just said. But, you know, would it have, you know, was it a good idea business-wise? Yeah, absolutely. But... There's many different ways to sell a hamburger, right? And like sure. our hamburger has a lot of personality, so it's like, <laughs> would it have done it? Would you have done it as well? I I don't know. Maybe I'd like to think so. I think yeah. you know we have we have a lot of fun. The creative team at DSC and and, and writing the stuff and making the stuff and those the Wanderer commercials, which is our line of shower and, and yes. wash products. Um, you know, if you, you go back and look at them, I I love those ads. They're 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 you know they sort of poke fun at this hyper-masculinized product that I was talking about earlier, Um, and they're they're still on YouTube and we're really proud of them, I think we launched them in 2015 but yeah, like in any creative process you um, you you uh you have to kill the things that don't make sense even though you love them um, there's been a ton of scripts and a ton of shots and and moments in the uh, when we go to shoot these things that just don't work for the business but that really work creatively and we love them but unfortunately you have to you had you got to, to bury them culture mm-hmm.
0: and i know for you that's that's important mm-hmm. uh to, to being sort of having culture be be a be a church for the brand. Mm. Can you talk about that and the importance of culture? Yeah, even as you get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah,
1: well, cult- culture is a tricky word. Um, I think a lot of people interpret that in different ways. Some some people mean culture to. You know, mean stand-up desks and dogs at the office and 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 free lunch. Um, I feel
0: like they prove. I don't know if I'm right, but that those stand-up desks aren't necessarily good me. for you. Well, no, I don't know that. It's just I thought I was like killing myself sitting at my desk, and right. now I feel a little better.
1: Because you have a stand-up desk.
0: I have a se- seated desk. Oh, but I think I'm going to be okay.
1: Well, it's like it's like the latest diet, right? Like every diet is great, and then the, until they discover that it's horrible, <laughs> and then you go back, and then it's like amazing again. Feel like every six months carbs are in and then they're out right. um so yeah sure stand-up desks are are good or not i don't know i have one but um, culture but culture. Um, it's tricky. Um, I think that, you know, a good culture is built on a business that delivers value to the consumer uh, and that does it in, you know, an appropriate ethical, you know, way. Yep. Right. And that's the foundation of it, because you, you if you don't have those things, I think it's really tricky. Uh, I think it's really tricky to deliver the kind of culture that, that we want. And I. Um, but then, but then the next layer is you have to make sure that people feel engaged at work, that they feel like their work is valued, yeah. that they feel like they have a career path, that they're growing because nobody stays at Dollar Shave Club forever. And there's, there's, we want to make sure that when people leave, uh, they feel like they have learned a ton, that they've, that they become a. Um, you know, a more a dangerous weapon, so to speak, and that they will look back on that time as really formative in their in their careers. And that's sort of the next layer of culture. We haven't always delivered on that. Um, it's harder when you're going through transitional moments. And, um, you know, it's, but that's that's that next layer. Uh, and we, we, I think we get that right most of the time. And then on top of that, there's, you know, the, the frills and the perks and, you know, the brand and the fun and, and all that stuff. And that stuff has to work too. But a lot of times people look at that as the core and that's really the icing on the cake.
0: A move that you guys have made that's interesting is essentially announcing Dollar Shave Club 2.0 mm. and moving away, pivoting away. Some of the media has described it as moving away intentionally from a, quote unquote, bro reputation and revamping yourself. Yeah. Do you think that's an accurate description? No,
1: I, I actually I actually. Because
0: you've seen some of that press.
1: I have. I think that that's, you know listen the, the the press can always say what it wants and they're free to make their own interpretations about who we are and and what they think we are but i don't think that we've ever been browy i think that we've been i think we use humor i think sometimes we use uh, a very you know m- m- male humor and we we certainly have fun doing that but you know if you look back at all of our if you if you you know look back at all of our creative over the years yep. um you know we have always had a spirit of inclusion of diversity of of um of of trying to celebrate different types of men, and Which I, think I think that's the something the Times Square like, ad campaign, the Times Square show. for sure. But also, if you look back to our Wanderer ads that we launched in two thousand fifteen, mm-hmm. or maybe it was late two thousand fourteen, you know uh, those those ads are, are are super fun and and and, and open minded and and all of that. So I I think that you know I I don't think that we are. I, I would never describe us as bro-y. I think our humor is actually quite difficult to pull off. And, and um, it's a very fine line between being, you know, fratty, slapsticky, um, sort of vulgar humor and taking some subjects that are related to the bathroom, which do have sort of a, you know, certain quality you to gotta them, laugh. And, 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 and dressing them up with the right kind of humor. So I think that's something that we've done, you know, dare I say, pretty, pretty artfully. But let the world decide. It's all there on YouTube to, to, to scour through.
0: I'm interested in what is next and whether you are a sort of serial entrepreneur who thinks, you know, once I get DSC to the place, you know, I, I, I want it to. And once I've sort of maximized my value, yeah. I want to try something else. Because yeah. your mother mm. is quoted and recounts you telling her this is not She's what i She's not doing. an
1: official anything. So whatever <laughs> she said... You better go check with her press agent.
0: This is she's quoted as you telling her this is not what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, that you're interested in too many other things. Is is mom right?
1: Uh, Probably. Yeah. What interests you? Well, I think what drives me mostly is building things. Um, I I love the process of bringing things into the world that that don't exist when that can be a television commercial, can be a new product. I do love that process. I'm driven by. Um, I, I, I like to solve problems. Um, I like to try to do that in in, in work and outside of work and um, some of the other things that I'm in, engaged with. And uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, I'm driven by curiosity. I'm very curious about you know how the world works. And life is isn't life just one big demystification of, of how the world works? And so, um, yeah, I think I think that that's. Um, where that leads me, I, I don't exactly know. I think right now I'm, I'm highly engaged at DSC. The challenges that we have are are enormous and exciting and daunting, and mm-hmm. um, and and I'm and I'm thrilled there. I, I have a great seat at the table. I have an yeah. amazing team. Yeah. Um, we have an amazing company. And you know, right now I'd be foolish to go look to do anything else. But you know, listen, I don't think I don't think DSC is a is a life sentence. So I do think that it's, (laughs) I do think that, you know, there will, there will come a time and, and that's the way it should be. I'm a big believer in fresh eyes and fresh legs. And that happens all the time at every level. And, um, yeah, but, but, but right now I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to to be the CEO still.
0: So I thought before we, end usually we do rapid fire, but with you, I thought we would do rapid fire, true or false. Oh boy. Are you game? Yeah, sure. True or false, your mom made you do math problems inside on snowy days. True. True or false, you moved to LA for a girl?
1: Uh hmm. Well, let's see. Did I move to LA for a girl? I had gotten laid off in New York and I'd always wanted to live in California and I was dating a girl in California at the time. So, I would say whatever the whatever the partially true.
0: For a girl and a job. Um, for a girl and a life change. There you go, and a life change. When you got your first check from your first VC investor, it mm-hmm. was for 100 bucks.
1: True. But
0: that was an accident.
1: It was. I got all the way to the bank, and I said, here's my check for $100,000. And they were like, no, it's not. So I walk all the way back, and
0: yeah. It said 100
1: It said $100. No joke. Yeah.
0: Um, true or false, you, you are also throwing your hat in the ring for president in
1: 2020. Oh, man. Oh, God, I wish. I would love to be, love to be the kamikaze candidate there, but I don't think so.
0: Uh, true or false, at one parent-teacher conference in high school, um, the message to them about you was he's never going to amount to anything.
1: Probably, yeah, that sounds right.
0: True or false, you have 12 cats. False. True or false, you applied to law school during what you call the confused
1: years. True.
0: You got into Harvard Law, but turned it down.
1: True. False.
0: <laughs> true or false? You use an app to determine the amount of time you spend on tasks.
1: Uh, I have. I have not done that recently, but true. How did that go? It was really interesting, actually. You'd be surprised if when you sw- when you like click a button uh, to. To when you shift gears, yeah. you'd be really interested to see like where you spend your time. What's the app? It, uh, it was. It's called Toggle. Okay. Um, and uh, I think they're still around, but you know, it's like you have to remember. It takes a minute for you to remember. Like, okay, now I'm thinking about, you know, what's for lunch, and then to click that, yeah. and yes. then now I'm thinking about the next thing. But it's you know, at the end of the month, you look back and you're like, oh my god, I wow. spent. Here's you know, where I wasted my time. Yeah, totally.
0: True or false? You're starting an ear hair cutting company next. False. But you've talked about ear hair. I have. Yeah.
1: No. I mean, look, ear hair is a is a is a major (laughs) major problem in our country and society. Right now, so it's not. But we, I would love to solve the ear hair problem.
0: Uh, Are you glad finally that you never landed on SNL?
1: Um, Gosh, I mean, if you ask me, yes, I am because the 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 work that i get to do lights up my entire brain and hmm. i am a creative executive and i love i love the creative process and it's something that i'm very close to at dsc but also there's a there's another side of my brain which which I enjoy also and so I've never wanted to be sort of a one not one trick pony but just like a one dimensional person. And so DSC gets to you know business gets to light up all the different parts of my brain. So I'm, I, I feel very fortunate that I have that. And, you know, look, at, 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 at some point it'd be nice to, to do some more creative stuff than I have in the last few years. But, you know, I wouldn't, if I had, if I had uh, you know, gone to SNL at some point, I don't think that um, the entire, my entire brain would have mm. been lit up uh, in the way that it is now, which which would have been a, a bummer.
0: Congratulations on how far you've come. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good
1: luck. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for all. Cheers. Yeah.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Boss Files. If you're a new fan of the show, please go to Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app and subscribe. While you're there, leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. As always, you can follow me at Poppy Carlo CNN.
1: Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like.